Hello, you're listening to Teenagers Untangled, an audio hug for parents going through the teenage years. I'm Rachel Richards, former BBC correspondent, parenting coach, mother of two teenagers and two older stepdaughters. Hi, I'm Susie Asley, mindfulness coach, therapist, musician and mother of three teenagers. Two of them are twins. Today we'll be talking about waving your kids off to university and how that can leave us parents feeling. And another topic that really gets parents riled up, manners. Uh, What are they and why do they matter so much? If you're not familiar with our format, we pick questions that have been raised by listeners or that we've come across day to day. And I research what the experts have to say on the matter. Susie, who spends her working life helping teenagers and adults manage their issues using a mindfulness approach, gives us her own perspective and some really excellent tips on calming our fears. Now, before we get on to this week's key themes, I've decided to introduce a little segment called Nuggets. Not the chicken variety, we mean nuggets of gold that we picked up as parents. So all reflections on what's happened this week. So Susie, what's yours this time? I love this idea and I'm struggling to pick. (laughs) Too many, too Too many. many, too many. Which is great. My daughter is doing art, GCSE, and she came home and she had to copy a picture, which was really quite complicated and difficult. And she felt quite overwhelmed, like, where on earth do I start, mum? I don't know how to do this. So I sat down with her and um, we broke it up into little bits, like literally little bits, you know, start here. Where, what do you see now? What colour? Um, and it just, uh, it took us two evenings. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, not the whole evening, but <laughs> just let it dry and then we did it again. Um, but it was just the concept of, you know, breaking things down into little bits. By halfway through the first session, she was kind of like, oh, okay, this is going to be all right. I can do this. Um, so she went from overwhelm yes. to breaking it down into little bits. And then by the end was quite happy with what she'd done. Um, it was just quite a good. And it's something we can all do. Just yeah, make things manageable yeah. when it all seems too overwhelming. Think, okay, what can I, what can I do now? Yeah. That's, that's doable and, yeah. and then I can just do it one step at a time. So for me, uh, I have quite a few too, but I'm, I picked this one. I was talking with a teenager who said that her friend's mum was really loving and trying very, very hard to be close to her, but that her friend constantly pushes her away and actually hates being around her, mm. gives her the ick, yeah. as they say. Um, I asked this girl why she thinks that it's happening and she thought about it and then said, that there's no trust there. Mm. And I asked why. And she thought about it again. And she said that the girl had once told her mum something she felt was very personal, but that her mum had then immediately shared it with everyone else in the family. And that really made me think because, to be honest, I've done that sort of thing in the Mm. past and my kids called me out about it. And I immediately apologised and very directly said, right, you're, you're completely right. And from now on, anything you tell me will be completely in confidence unless it's dangerous or something. And then even then I will say, right, I think I need to tell somebody about this. And I think that's the reason why my girls are very happy to tell me pretty much anything mm. um, because they know that it will stop with me yes. and that I will take great pleasure in trying to help them. And I won't judge them. And it's really hard to do because sometimes they tell me things and, I, and my my sort of waggy thing comes out in my head going, no, 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 you shouldn't. But I have to calm that and mm-hmm. just talk them through things and try and give get them to come to a solution instead. Yeah. And it reminded me of one of the excellent comments a mother made when we first started this podcast, Sally, I think her name was. And she said, 
when you're an adult, we only tell people things when you trust them. Mm. And if you have a friend who you think is going to go and tell everybody else something that you tell them that you feel is personal, now they may not value that in the same way you do, but you're not going to tell them. Yeah, no, once once it's happened once. So I think it's just one of those things that we have to remind ourselves sometimes that if we want to build that relationship yeah. with our teens, it also has to involve a deep level of trust. I remember being a teenager and deeply embarrassed by most things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so having other people talking about yeah, you is just mortifying. Mortifying. Yeah. mortifying. yeah. Now, how do you feel about your teenager leaving home? Mm. Are you dreading it? Uh, it's known to have triggered a mental breakdown in some parents and the term empty nest syndrome. Or are you going to be rubbing your hands, skipping back into the house and planning some exciting new adventures? <laughs> huh? You've already said you're going traveling. Bit of both. Bit yeah. of both. Bit of both. <laughs> Bit I've of got both. dogs. I've got dogs. I've got a dog. Mm, take, a limit. I'm going to take my dog with me. Are you? Yeah. I don't think they take them to the Maldives. Do they take them? Oh, anyway. Well, anyway. <laughs> maybe my, my plans weren't as grand as that. <laughs> dream anyway i've seen some arguments between different parents that uh you know who say right once your kid's 18 you've got to stop meddling mm. you've got to know you know stop trying to give them advice let them just make their own mistakes and and i just thought oh that's a bit painful because that's i don't think brutal. they suddenly hit 18 <laughs> no. and it doesn't work like that really does no it? their brains are still developing as we yeah. repeat till they're 25 um but you know our relationship of course changes and our yes. role changes but we're still we're still there for them yeah now sarah said um her dad suffered from empty nest syndrome as well as her mother mm. and she found out years later that he used to cry when she went to university mm. and she said well it, obviously it would have been harder back then because there were no mobile yes. phones and yes. her, her dad would get a, a call from the phone box every now and then usually when she needed money or a lift home yeah that's so true it's really changed hasn't it communication's <laughs> yes. really changed so they're not so far away i think that that's actually really important but that can also make it harder yeah because yeah. it means that you've got the temptation to yes. constantly message them and then if they haven't messaged that you you think well you can yeah you've got a Why paid not? for a phone or you know whatever yeah. and then alison told us um, that she grieved for about three months mm. prior to her first yeah. child uh, leaving knowing that this was going to happen and there were lots of tears and really sad mm. moments and then soon realized that they do come back yes. and they're not gone forever the holidays came around quickly and that you can visit them and she said you know that's a feeling you can actually tap into yeah. of course the problem is that they then came home after yeah. university so then you adjust again <laughs> and then they really leave and so you know one of hers has actually properly flown the nest yeah. and she said that please don't get me onto that because yeah, that's really painful that must be really hard but it's also you know again the idea that we've discussed before that that's uh you know being upset if if you feel upset um or you know the, this feeling of grief um is a normal reaction to a situation you know we, we we do like to go and pathologize everything and make it out to be a you know some sort of um abnormal illness <laughs> but that's a normal reaction yes. so allowing it yes. you know of course it's hard I know that when my kids leave I, I kind of kid myself that because they have from a very early age gone and spent you know weeks at a time with their dad in another country that you know I've done it a bit so I'm kind of practiced but that's probably absolute rubbish <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm not sure it's gonna make any difference I think that's absolutely spot on and they, 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 it's called a syndrome but it's, it's not a psychiatric health condition no. what can happen though is depression and anxiety as a result yeah. of 
feeling this this emptiness if we don't allow the feelings if, if we, we don't yes, exactly. them or and that's pretend they're not there or, or you know whatever it is we do yeah and it describes loneliness grief pain like you said the gr- the grief it can, it can be physical and emotional it, you feel it in your body oh, completely connected completely connected and sometimes we feel the the physical symptom first and sometimes we feel the mental but it's totally connected two things pop up first of all is like um how you parent so if is your whole identity being a parent no judgment there um but you know for some i think maybe particularly mothers although i'm sure there are some fathers that have the same um their whole identity is is being a mother and you know that can you know be fine but when that that means that when their child leaves or children leave they are then left well okay who am i now and that can be really tough and really difficult um so looking at that um, and allowing that and then you know, we are we are not our roles. We are we are way more than that. Yes. But if we haven't really explored that, that can be really painful. And being aware that this could come up is going to be helpful because yeah. you can start early. And and actually, you don't even have to be an at home mother. You don't have to be an at home father. No. Um, there was a quote from a woman called Lillian Little who said, "I thought I would never suffer." from emptiness syndrome. I'm a college professor with a PhD. I thought only pathetic women who have no (laughs) life beyond their kids have a problem with this. And then she said she felt a life-altering loss when her kids were leaving home. And you can have sleeplessness, loss of appetite, nausea. You know, like I said, it can be be both a sort of psychological grief, but it can also be physical. Yeah, I mean, it's a loss, isn't it? Mm. It's a loss. And I think in... um, I, I heard, you know, in, in the olden days, however, it's <laughs> such a weird thing to say, olden days. Olden days. The olden days. Um, people, you know, mothers had, you know, psychological breakdowns sometimes when the, their firstborn left, often mm. if it was a boy. Um, and, you know, I can see that being a, being a thing. But And then there, was, there wasn't an awareness about it and, yes. and, and maybe a different kind of, of help or not, a, not any help. Um, but it's the same now. It's, it's, a, it's a big loss. Um, yeah. Yeah. So things you can do to prepare ahead, identify what roles you've actually played. So, you know, I've been a mother, I've been a neighbor, I've Mm. been, you know, if you've been working, what roles Mm. do you have in workplace, your friends? So who am I? That's what I mean by identifying your roles. And then what roles would I like to have? Who, you know, what would I like to, if somebody said, put something on your gravestone, what would you like them to say about Mm, you? Absolutely. And if you want to go even deeper, you can go, well, who am I? without any roles you know who Mm. am I discovering Um, your values yeah who who are you when you're not being a mother when you're not being a wife when you're not being a caregiver or your work you know who who are you without any label I think I've discovered more and more about myself the more that I've questioned well is this what you know this doesn't feel right I want to do something else what do I want to do who do I want to be so I started charitable work I was helping at a toddler group yeah my god it was boring and I just wanted to (laughs) shoot myself every time you know and I was cooking for them and that was boring you know and then you eventually you find your thing so you you did it through exploration yes you need a run up to it because it doesn't happen instantly yeah no it doesn't no so and then reconnecting with your partner yes now if you want to I know yes (laughs) can of worms (laughs) um yeah I I mean I I did meet a woman once who was at a working in a shop and she said oh this is my daughter's shop and I'm working here and I said oh that's so nice of you to help out and she said my husband's at home (laughs) 
Oh so yeah. I understand that sometimes, yeah. sometimes over the, the just the rough and tumble of mm. life, that things can sort of start unraveling. Yeah, but it can be an opportunity, can't it? Because yes, maybe maybe if people have drifted apart, mm. you know, it can be then a, a massive opportunity to to Reconnect. look at it together if, yes. if both partners are up for that. Of course. Try and plan to, you know, what what do we actually like yeah. to do together? So sit there and say, what yeah. what kind of things would you yeah. like to do with me? By the yeah. way, uh, not yeah. just going off and doing your own thing. And, and if you're you, on your own, if you're a single parent, because yes. I think maybe then you've maybe maybe you feel the loss even more because I'm sure you, you're on your own with your child or children and then suddenly you're really on your own um you know reconnecting with other people how how can you make that work how can you be in a, a social network somehow absolutely building your friendship groups mm. go, going and doing things that interest you and then that way you'll meet more people who potentially like the yeah. same things as yeah. you um you know it takes time all it of does. this takes time yes, doesn't it, it does yeah you're able to cook whatever meals you want. Yeah. Right? I so love that when my kids yeah, go to Denmark. Experiment, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, your life doesn't have to revolve around their sporting activities. So now you can think, okay, well, I could go out and do some sports myself. Yeah. Exercise. Exercise yeah. is a massive one. It's a really good way of helping your yes. own everything everything yeah really good it's how you look at stuff isn't it and then that can sound really flippant and superficial but it is how you look at stuff um so you know glass half full glass half empty they're leaving ow that hurts giving Mm. space for that that's really important not just shoving a lid on it but you know okay what what's the plus in it what can i do like you'd say the sports the activities and and as you said you know giving that space is accepting accepting those feelings of sadness i mean if you want to hug the t-shirt of the absent teenager <laughs> that's fine <laughs> do, do what it takes you you know you're, and and it's also hard because it's not just the absence of them in the house it's that you are now potentially not needed all the yeah, time yeah you know you're That's not the identity they're, class, they're not going to come home and you don't have to wait up yes. for them to come through the door and you yeah. may be thinking oh, are they safe yeah yeah there's a, well, there's a kind of fear yeah absolutely and it also touches on a on a with that in mind it touches on a subject that we often refer to which is change isn't it you know mm. we don't like change but that is part of life it's so the you know thing that's constant it's the only <laughs> thing that's constant absolutely and so you know we, we've already ex- we've already experienced a lot of change with our kids you know the babies toddlers all yes. of that you know it's changing and then the next change is that they leave home that's what we're meant to do that means we've done our job yes <laughs> but we don't like it so we cling on we're clinging yes. on to the stuff that we want we want to keep um and and it's the resistance to change that makes us suffer i think you're absolutely right but i do think that one of the reasons why this can be particularly hard is if like me you had your children later yeah that when they leave it's a sign of re- you know your impending old age yeah absolutely. and this sense and you know when i talk to elderly people mm. they just say oh god getting older is really horrible mm. and and so there's this this fear that you're ending up you know you have to take life with both hands yes. and like you said have a sense of gratitude take again draw from people like edith eggers and think okay Mm. what can i be excited about and grateful for and what can i build yeah and i really like to i don't know if we've talked about it before i like to use a word like i have to i have to do this i have to everything's a bit you know heavy and if you put in instead of saying i have to i get to oh i like which is really nice (laughs) so you know i i get to see my kids going off 
to go yes. and live. I get to do that because the, the alternative is not very is not great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are many alternatives. Very true. But one very true. So that just kind no, of no. Even if they're lounging around the house for the yeah, rest of their lives, that's yeah. not good. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. To. One thing that I did read was that it's really important when this first happens. Those first six months don't make life altering changes. Don't suddenly oh. sell your house. Oh. Don't suddenly jack in your job. Mm. Or, you know, or unless you've been planning, planning it for... I planning on travelling around no, the world. Well, you know, just, well, you know yeah. <laughs> Should I do. wait? <laughs> well, they, they might actually literally drop them off and you're heading for the airplane. They may think, oh Maybe. my God, no. You can, you is that, is that called abandonment? <laughs> okay, I might need to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this sort of, you know, actually there are, there are elements of... Um, you know, wanting to get on with it, which may not be healthy, you know, just give yourself a bit of time, yeah, a no. bit of time to adjust, because you may think that this is what you need right now. And you may find that six months down the line, and the dust has settled. And actually, it's a little bit different from that, yeah. or abandoning your husband, you're like, I've been waiting all this time, I'm just gonna walk out right now. <laughs> no, just give it a little bit more time. Yeah, maybe. that's and... really good advice. And also that our kids might, you know, they might need us in a different way, you know. One of our listeners, Emma, said to me, right, what you've got to do is you've got to log on to this. Uh, there's a Facebook group. Join this Facebook group, group and it's what I wish I'd known. And it's about sort of, you know, teenagers leaving home and okay. stuff. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And I logged on and, and it's basically what I wish I hadn't known because it's, okay. you know, <laughs> all the te- teenagers who've gone to university yeah. and they don't like their course okay. or, you know, they've been sick and they've got, and all these parents coming on going, how do I deal with this? Oh, wow. It doesn't yeah. stop. No, no, it doesn't stop. And this stuff actually matters. Yeah, you know, being the backup, being yeah. the kind of, you know, guy behind the scenes will yeah. say, okay, um, I'll problem solve with you. Yeah. Yes, okay, they've gone away. But yeah. then they're not, they're they're not fully still formed. Really young. <laughs> so yeah. Actually, yeah, it was literally what yeah. I don't want to. I'm scared now. I don't yeah, know. Our, our role changes, but, you know, they, they still, we're still their rock. Yeah. And in terms of practicing self-care, you know, eating well, if I'm going to have a moment when I feel low, you can prepare for this and think, what gives me joy? Okay, I'm going to know that's going to be the thing I'll do. And try and build some new routines. Because the problem is, if you have the old routines, and then they just disappear, you can be left completely flat lying in bed thinking, now what? why, Why do I get up? Yeah, I haven't got so get anyone to the train station or yes, <laughs> make yes, sure that they're on yes. time or all that yeah. stuff and it does take 28 days to form a new habit so you do have to sort of just give it time yeah. don't think oh I can't do this I yeah. just can't be this person I can't yeah. you know it's that beautiful balance isn't it between allowing the feelings that maybe don't feel so comfortable don't feel great allowing them and taking care of them and having compassion and you know doing nice things and then you know looking more actively how, how can I help myself what yes. can I do Yes. And so you've got to have these kind of working, working out what new challenges you can find for yourself and resisting the urge to check in too much, which I mentioned at the start. Oh, the problem with, with the kids, phones and <laughs> yes. the mo- you've got the email and you can yeah. be sitting there like a lovelorn teenager mm. waiting for a message from them. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't called. Why haven't they called? You know, yeah, what's happened? Are they dead? Really no, they're, having, they're actually building a new life and it's fresh as week and there's lots yeah. of stuff happening and they're probably going to call you when they yeah. need money. You know, and the opposite of them going, I want to come home and ringing you all the time wouldn't be great either. So precisely, it's great if precisely. they don't if They don't call you, it's okay. Mm. Um, and I do, I, you know, I love hearing all the gossip from my kids. So there are times when I think, oh, I really want to mm. ask them about this. Yeah. And I just say, Rachel, go and do something else. Yes. Because also if you're still checking in on them, you're not going to be able to move in, on with your life. So these are all, and finding ways to laugh. Laughing yeah. releases all sorts of. Laughing other, is good. Laughing's good. So how to remain connected with your child, because that's another sort of branch of this. And 
the most crucial thing is don't pass on this weight of grief. Yeah. So you can say, I'm going to miss you, but I'm so happy for you. Yes. And, but, but ladening them with, it, oh, I'm so, I'm so alone. And you, oh, you no. haven't called me. It's just it's the, the best way to make them just not want to call you. Yes. Because, or to call you and feel miserable in yeah. their new life oh. because they feel like they've let you down or yeah. whatever your relationship is not, it's, it's really unfair to yeah. do that when it's a difficult thing for them to do. Yes. It's like, a new, yeah, it is. It's like when you, we talked about it with the lone parenting, didn't we? You know, when the kids go off to the other parent, it's exactly the same. You, I, you say you're going to miss them because it's nice to know yes, you're being missed. Yes. And I'm going to be doing this and this and this so that they're not imagining yes, you sitting that. at home, you know, <laughs> looking at your phone. <laughs> Having your one, your one person yeah, meal. Or your they person they meal. know you're, you're out doing something fun. That, yes. That's really nice for them. And remember that some of them will have moved into halls of residence at university and it will be probably fun but horrible yeah, because yeah. they're sharing with all these other teenagers yeah. who don't have any hygiene standards yeah. so they're having to cope and it can be really hard yeah. for them so yeah. then hearing their mother all the time will make them feel like oh, I just want to go home yeah and it's not what you want yeah. it's not you know you might want that <laughs> it's not the right <laughs> thing to want it's not what we should want yeah let them make a few of their own mistakes but be that backup so mm. just be there and if they just say look anytime you want to call if you want to talk something through mm. or yeah part-time job full-time yeah. availability interestingly though I read the Pew Research Center in 2016 reported that for the first time living with parents is now the most common situation for people ages 18 to 34 wow which is a bit wow really That's and th- really so this, these are called boomerang kids yes where they go away and then they come back mm. and I imagine that's probably increasing. Yes, with the financial climate. Because of the financial climate. We had that with lockdown. We've had it with the... So one of my bonus daughters just messaged me and said, can I bring my stuff back? And, you know, I'm going to sofa surf, but can I use you as a base? Because she can't find anywhere to live. Which is really Which is horrific because she said all the properties are going, 24 hours, they're gone. Yeah, crazy. And that's very hard. Yeah. So, of course, of course you can. Yeah. Um, but when they do come back, of course, you're having to sort of sh- reshuffle your life. You've got justice to them mm. not being there. You've got a new rhythm and then you have to reshuffle again. And a um, very different role. It's a very different role. And Libby, uh, one of our listeners, said her son is about to move back in. He's, you know, similar situation. Yeah. He's brought his stuff back, rearranged the room, programmed Alexa to switch on lights and an alarm every morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> and then he left. Because he wanted to go and see his girlfriend. Oh, and no. so he's coming back after the week, I think at the end of the weekend. Yep. She said every morning <laughs> she wakes up at 6 a.m. with an alarm blaring. She can't work out how to switch it off. She can't get hold of him. Oh, and so the lights, funny. and she's saying to Alexa, stop, switch off the lights. And Alexa's saying, which lights would you like turned off? Because he's <laughs> even programmed every single light separately. Oh, so she has to say, please switch off this light and the desk lamp and the bed. Oh, yeah. So it's sort of. <laughs> Unplug Alexa, I say. <laughs> well, she, you know, she's so right. <laughs> Why didn't I say that to Libby? <laughs> Libby, just unplug it. This is just a, a reminder. There are two gifts we should give our children. One is roots and the other is wings. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and we can just, just come back to that and just say, if they're not there, it's okay. I'm still providing the roots. They can still come back. But it's yeah. I've given them wings and it's something yes. amazing that I've done. It's beautiful. And they will come back. If you're suffering a deep sense of loss in it and you're not able to get out of bed, you're not you're not able to function and this continues, yeah. it's worth speaking to a doctor. Yeah. Because you can tip into depression. Yeah. Yeah. The normal grief is, is a normal response to a situation that's difficult. But if it get if you get stuck in it, that's that's hard. Yeah. yeah. 
So don't 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 feel afraid about just getting a little bit of help, but don't jump at it straight away. Just understand that it's okay. It's normal. You're normal. You're not weird. It's fine. Any big shift in life circumstances can feel unsettling. Yeah. So acknowledging it has to be the first step to coping. And send any comments or questions you have to help at teenagersuntangled.com. You can also review us on our website. One of our listeners, I was talking to Polly, uh, who has an Apple phone, but she wasn't sure how to follow us. Oh, okay. Because she'd, she'd managed to go on the website, but she didn't know how to subscribe. So I, I looked at the Apple phone and I said, all you do is you just kind of find our main page on the, the iPhone zip down through the podcast yeah. right to the very bottom and that will have reviews and and I think there's a subscription there as well yeah, something anyway just it. just flick through you can yeah. find it I, can, I know it's hard to navigate these things yeah, sometimes yeah, that's right. so I, when I was doing that they mention other podcasts you might be interested in listening to okay. like you've enjoyed this podcast guess what came up if you listen to Teenagers Untangled you might enjoy How to Fail <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks, Apple. <laughs> I don't I didn't think I need any help with that. Thank you very much. Brilliant. <laughs> right. Well, we'll talk about manners next. But Susie, we've had some excellent feedback from Natalie in Italy. We have, which actually made me cry. Oh, you um, were hormonal. I was you quite hormonal, hormonal yeah. but I still made me cry. I cry at many things there. You guys are awesome. Some people really want, need help, but cannot afford to go to a therapist. You and Susie are really, really helping people. I kid you not. When I listen to the two of you, it makes me feel so calm and puts a smile on my face. You guys are so upbeat, honest and caring, and most importantly, give great advice. I've tried to listen to alternatives and my God, they are boring. (laughs) Keep going. Brilliant. And my 14-year-old son, I read it out to him very proudly and without even missing a a beat, he just went, did you write that, (laughs) Mum? Thank you. Anyway, Natalie, that was really, really kind of you to let us know that. And it it means a lot to us because... You know, we're just chatting to the microphone, yeah. so we don't know yeah, whether, no, thank you, whether we're boring or, yeah. you know, so thank you. Now, Alex, who actually was the person who came up with this podcast idea, mm-hmm. uh, she raised the issue of manners. And the reason she did this was because uh, her daughter, who is about to go to Oxford University, well done. Wow, um, but we wouldn't care if she was going somewhere else, it doesn't matter. She had got a bit cross with her mother. Because mm-hmm. being part French, she expected her mother to have told her something. And that was what the manners were in a French environment when she went into it. And her mother said, it's just so much part of who mm. we are that I hadn't really thought about it. Yes. Very interesting point. Thank you for raising it. Yeah. And the point was that the French, when you go to their houses, have a very, very specific routine. And this is etiquette. And we'll come on to mm. that in a minute. And what you do is kiss, kiss both cheeks. And you have to look people in the eye, have a conversation like, uh, uh, you know, bonjour, madame, and then uh, have just a a brief conversation Mm. with them. And then you can go off and be a ragged, horrible teenager. And then at the end of being at the the house or the party or whatever, you have to repeat that exercise. You go up and you give kiss, kiss, and then you have to acknowledge that you had a lovely time and then you leave. And it's this formula is very important to the French and Mm. it's instilled in them from a young age. And Alex and I were laughing because our experience of, and I don't know where you're listening, but our experience of English teenagers <laughs> has varied enormously. And we do get the ones where they just pass like a shadow, yes. like a ghostly shadow <laughs> somewhere in my peripheral vision. And then you can hear some cackling upstairs and there's just literally, yeah. I just feel sort of a bit, oh, so who, is, who is in my house? Yeah. And or a bit of a grunt, yeah. and you know, no, no looking at you, yeah. and it's a really interesting phenomenon. It's really interesting, and it's really varied. Mm. In my experience, it's very varied. I think, um, you know, actually, my kids have got really lovely friends who are all 
um, really sociable actually and are really good at talking to adults they always ask me oh hi Susie how are you and uh, which is really lovely partly who you are as well I think yeah maybe I, yeah. I kind of hang out with them <laughs> and they're like right you can go now <laughs> she's one of us she's one of us yes <laughs> can you leave can you get your mum to go now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there, they are that. lovely but yes. I've also I have also experienced you know other other that the shadow I like that description the shadow where you can just glide <laughs> it's not all of them but no, you know they're just the shy ones this is quite I'm never bothered by that because it's usually because they feel uncomfortable so yes. I would hate to make them do something they felt and uncomfortable that's it. with and Alex said that she said you know her experience of males coming to her house who are English mm. she's just a bit shocked because yeah. they just know they don't seem to have the etiquette yeah. now so I've used the word etiquette so this is an interesting one yeah. I actually said to my husband so what's the difference between manners and etiquette and it really annoyed me because he absolutely nailed it immediately oh, and I thought annoying. have you been to some <laughs> finishing school or something you're really irritating me here Etiquette is a set of courteous rules for performing certain actions based on societal norms and values. So there will be etiquette in every single place you go. Yep. In Japan, there'll be etiquette. In America, there'll be, you know, anywhere you are, there's etiquette. And these are the things that are expected of you to be part of that group. It's an easy way of them spotting who's an outsider and actually keeping you outside. So, you know, and in England, it's been used in the social classes by, you know, the sort of upper class that the, the, the lower classes would use the word serviette, for example, whereas the upper class would use the word napkin. And they immediately heard that word serviette. And I went, didn't know that. <laughs> they would know that I'm afraid you're, you're, you're trying too hard. And yeah, it's because it's a yeah. French word. And so it was brought yeah. into the French court yeah. and it's not an English, you know. Yeah. So it's just it's an insane way of actually delineating what your, yeah. who are you, who's your social group. Yeah. I mean, manners are part of that. And good manners, though, they are to do with your attitude towards other people and how important their um, comfort is to you. Okay. So right? it's more so interrelational. It's, there's a saying, manners maketh man. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. It's typically attributed to the 14th century Bishop William of Wickham. It means a person is not defined by their birth, property or money, but rather by how he or she behaves towards other people. Someone who has good manners will walk into a situation and think, what's the etiquette here? Okay. Oh, that's really interesting. They will think, how do I make this person feel comfortable? How should I be behaving in this particular scenario? It's re it reflects someone's level of respect, kindness and consideration for others. Mm. Yeah. So you're not somebody in a restaurant who goes, oi. That's, you know, it's bad manners, isn't it? And it's it's rude because what you're doing is undermining somebody else's place. Yeah. What was very funny was my daughters, I remember um, waiting outside a museum in London and there was a family opposite us. And this was when my daughters were quite little and the mother was sort of drinking soup out of a, um, a kind of a big mug thing. And she was really slurping loudly. And then at the end she burped. <laughs> And my girls were going, oh, mummy, oh. But they were giggling. <laughs> well, they would, I just said, girls, she's just from a different culture. And that's probably, that's probably a sign that she's really enjoying it. Yeah. So you have to understand. It's so it's so a very, interesting. It's a fun one because. It's so interesting. Because yes. I can bang on about culture here because from anthropology, we all have these unspoken, unwritten rules that we just are sponges for. And, and kids are particularly sponges, but we're not always aware of them. So it's only when we go into a different one that we notice the contrast and go, oh, like your friend of the French. It's only when it's different that we, yes. we actually can then go, oh, that's what we do. You can, you can recognize and enjoy something different or you can feel embarrassed because you did something that the other people found really offensive yeah so, or have curiosity oh you mm. do it that way oh, oh you spit your food out great 
<laughs> Can we do that too? <laughs> <laughs> but this is this comes back to one of the things I remember looking at at Parent Gym with a lot of parents. And you know, you, you it's nice to start young, but it's never too late. Mm-hmm. And it's this sense that there are rules absolutely everywhere. It doesn't matter where yeah. you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. In the middle of the field, there's no rule. But yeah. you know, generally there are yeah. rules, and you getting your kids from an early age to understand there are rules. Yeah. Let's work out what they are and know when you're breaking them. I think research shows for little kids that the best way of getting them to 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 be a particular way, if that's what you want them to do, um, is to do it yourself. Um, absolutely spot you, on you, you know telling them is is not very effective but if they always see you going thank you please if that's what you want your child to, to do um then eventually they'll just do it because they are sponges i think that's so spot on it's so and, you and teenagers as well yes and they don't want to hear you telling them what they no. should be doing when you're not doing especially it you're teenagers. Right. <laughs> teenagers especially teenagers <laughs> yeah, so you're... so there's some re- i've got some fun ones and i you know i have not researched this extensively mm. <laughs> these ones so so correct me if you're listening in japan and it's not this then let me know but um apparently in japan if you tip it's actually considered offensive oh. because you're basically saying, here, have some extra money because you need some training. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whereas in America, <laughs> it's, you know, that's you, everybody tips, yeah. right? And it's offensive if you don't. Yeah. Avoid the salt shaker in Egypt. Okay. Because if you put salt onto the food, it's a way of saying, look, you, you haven't done this right and it tastes okay. awful. I mean, I have seen people salt before they've t- tried the food yeah. and I find that a bit irritating. Yeah, some people find that offensive here as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Here's one that, I mentioned to my husband, and it's never fill your own glass. In Japan, it's considered to be very narcissistic and even antisocial because what you're supposed to do is fill everybody else's glass and then someone else will fill yours. So it's a kind of, you know, very... And I mentioned this to my husband. I said, it's really interesting, isn't it? He said, well, yeah, but that's just... That's just plain manners. I mean, you you never fill your own glass. And I thought, oh, wow. Well, I I kind of have because I've been at dinner parties where... You know, I'm the person drinking water and other people are drinking yeah. alcohol and I'm sort of looking at them thinking, oh, you don't need that. And yeah. there's only the small amount of water yeah. left in the bottle, so I'll just pour it in my yeah. cup. And then I think, <laughs> gosh, were they all, where, was I leaving? And everyone going, oh, did you see her pouring the water in her Oh, own? definitely. And <laughs> no, I think that's okay. <laughs> and apparently in France, now I'd love my French, but I, I haven't called my French friends, but um, apparently bringing wine to a dinner party in France. Here in the UK, mm. it's kind of de rigueur, right? Yeah. You, t- you take the wine. Yeah. Uh, in France, nah, nah. That okay. means you, just, you don't think the host is good at picking wine. Oh, wow. And I'm afraid the French, you know, they like their wines. Yeah. And, and it's kind oh, of gosh, offensive. It's good to know right? these things. It's a good one to know. <laughs> so actually, it's really easy to be yeah. uh, just a little bit, but hopefully they just go, ah, oh, she's English. Yeah. She can't help it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And now, I asked my daughters what they thought were important manners. Did you, have you asked your kids? I've talked interest. about it with them. Yeah. No, you, you go first. So one of my daughters said, well, please and thank you, obviously. Mm. And I said, yeah, okay, that's a good start. Anything else? And she said, well, just manners are really important. Mm. So I thought, well, at least, you know, it, she sees this as important. Yeah. The other one said, gratitude. Oh, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting one. I and like I that. said, why gratitude? And she said, it just, it just makes everybody feel better when mm. you notice that someone's done something for you and mm. you say thank you. Yeah, so it's not really just lovely. about thank you. It's yes. about noticing that something's been done that they didn't need to the do. The effect that your manners have on them. Yeah, I did ask mine and um, one of mine said, oh, well, it came from um, something he did actually um, 
um, someone was around visiting that he, he didn't know and we had dinner and then he went off to watch some TV or something. And as she was leaving, called out a bye and, and he went by and said, um, really nice to meet you. And I just thought that was really lovely. Mm. And I was thinking, crikey, I would not have said that when I was 14. Yeah, <laughs> I just yes. kind of shuffled off and gone by. Um, and I just, I didn't want to make a thing of it, but I said after she'd left, um, oh, that was really lovely. I really loved that you said, nice to meet you, you know. Um, and he kind of looked at me and was like, well, of course. Um, of course, well, you know, I'm not, I think he said, I'm, you know, I'm not an animal <laughs> or something like that. And I didn't mean, and we talked about manners then. And, yes. I, and he said, well, he thinks it's really important. And, and his friends are very, very good at talking. And I said, I, just, I think it's, it's a lovely thing. But, you know, what do you think about it? And he said, he thinks it's really important. And he, he related it to getting on with people. You know, if he wants to get a job later in life, it's important to have manners. And for him, they were really important. It was, it was, I hadn't really thought about it like that. I think I've that's never to very insightful, before. isn't it? Yeah. That, it? That actually it will make you able to influence people more. Because I think at the root of it all is people want to be seen. Yeah. And manners, when you demonstrate manners, whatever they are, what you're doing is you're showing the other people that they matter and that you've noticed yes. them, that they're seen. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there is a, a boundary in it as well, isn't it? You know, the, the idea that we make our kids, you know, say these particular things or, you know, or even physically, you know, you make them go and hug a relative when they don't want to. Mm. I, I don't like that. No, me neither. Um, but to sort of, I, I, I just come back again to that, you know, they will do what you do. So if yes. you are, if you are, you know, nice to people, they, they will copy it so, yes. to some level. Um, I mean, I have to add that at the same evening where one of my children <laughs> did the nice to meet you, we had a takeaway and, and one of my other children was trying to grab as much meat as possible <laughs> from one of the containers. <laughs> and I had to stand behind the guest and go, pass it on. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Where are your manners kind of thing. That's so, so you funny. Know, same family. Uh, and that's and, and the interesting thing is, so for example, when I went to Israel, because I worked in Israel for a while, I'm not Jewish, I'm not, I just, mm. long story. But um, I remember being stunned into complete silence when mm. I got to a meal and basically everyone talked over everybody and grabbed the food. The food went down on the table, everyone grabbed. And someone nudged me and said, take, take, otherwise there won't be any left. Yeah. And I just looked at him and I thought, how does this work? Because in yeah. England, you have to wait until yeah. the there'll, there'll be somebody who's the host yeah. who will say, right, you know, would you please help yourself? And you wait to, yeah. <laughs> to be given that sign. Yeah. And, and also people My don't... My child doesn't. No, no, no. See, this is, <laughs> but you see, what's really interesting yeah. is for some people, that's really not that, you know, and it was yeah. it's quite a big thing to move into yes. a different That's the point, isn't and, it? Yeah. It's exactly. the different culture. I mean, I lived in Denmark for years and they don't have the word please. Mm. Um, for an English person, that must so, be And they don't do small talk. So right. I went as a um, very early 20s, quite shy <laughs> and, you know, making really bad small talk probably. And they just look at me like I was a complete loser. Like, why are you, <laughs> why are you dribbling on about that? <laughs> and then you get used to it. Right. So it's, but again, it's the contrast, isn't yes. it? We know what we do when we, when we meet somebody who does something different. Yes. I'm getting used to that, but they don't have the word please. So my kids are bilingual. So when they come back here, um, they have to, you know, adjust, use please again. Um, you know, they have ways of, of being polite, but they use different words. Yes. Um, um, and you know you're sitting at the meal table, and you know pass me that. Yes, um, much or, more direct. Or it's super polite. Can I? Can I? I think the literal translation is can I? Can I beg you to pass it to me or something? That sounds it sounds weird translated, mm. but they do have ways of doing it. But the norm isn't isn't to say please. No, no. And I think 
I think when we're talking to our teenagers about it, it's just making them aware of it, making them aware of what it is that you're saying when yeah. you have good manners. Yeah. It's about showing respect and just, yeah. just being kind to other yeah. people. And um, also being aware that you're going to go into scenarios where you don't know what the etiquette is. Yeah. But if you are aware that there will be manners yes. and etiquette, your, your, your manners will make you think, okay, how does this work? And maybe yeah. stand back for a second and just look at what yeah. other people are doing before you wade in and, yeah. and uh, you know, become the, the person who yeah. did the bad thing. And they're also quite quick to notice when somebody is being off with them. I've noticed. Yes, yes. So maybe they you, know what feels bad. They do. So kind mm. of going again on the, as I'm always banging on about, you know, how does it make you feel the way you are in the world? How, how, you know, try and have empathy. How does it, how does it make you feel when people aren't nice to you or polite mm. to you? Not very nice. Okay. Well maybe not do that yourself then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely spot on. And, and, and that's one of the things that made me think more recently when I hosted a party for one of my children and it was fascinating because two of the kids who turned up were incredible. They walked straight up to me and my husband separately mm. and said, you know, hello, uh, Mrs. or mm. Rachel, um, how are you? Yeah. How's your summer been? Um, what can I do to help? Wow. Not can I help you, it's what can I do to help? <laughs> yeah. You know, can I help, can I carry that out? Mm. Checked in with me a couple of times during the party. You know, how's Gosh. it going? Can we clear this away? Blah, That's blah, blah. amazing. I know. And then, and then at the end, coming over and saying thank you so much. One of them even sent me a thank you card. Blimey! Mm-hmm. And then there was another kid who turned up to the party yeah. who basically Is it just my kid? <laughs> wasn't your kid. But again, I'm not trying to shame people. I'm yeah. just saying that yeah. it felt different because yes. I saw this this kid walking across uh the garden and I thought wait sorry and I said hello sorry who, who are you who are you and I, that was a bit rude mm. of me to just say excuse me who are you mm. and you know he's grown a foot and he said it's me and mm. I just looked at him and thought oh I just didn't recognize yeah. you but at the inside me I was thinking well you could have actually just come over and said oh yeah. hi yeah and, and then that's it's tricky isn't know it yeah it's tricky isn't it because then you have the whole there are children who are shy. I mean, I'd have been mortified at that age to have to to, to speak. Yes. Um, and I know that some of them, you know, they find it really challenging. So it's, it's, it's doing it, you know, in a way that suits them as well, you know, nudging them out of their comfort zone a little bit, but not making them be a way that is hideous for them. Yes. But I think we as parents can help with this because, yes, for example, definitely. one of my daughters has a friend who's painfully shy. Yeah. And she brought her friends over and they all just did the whole ghost thing, yeah. you know, just wandering off upstairs. Yeah. And I said to her afterwards, would you please tell them to come and say hi to me? Yeah. Just just, just to say hi. Yeah. And she said, oh, she's really, really shy. Yeah. And then I saw her just in passing one day and I said, oh, hi, how's it going? You know, hi, yeah. you know. And the feedback I got was that she was really delighted to have me say oh. hi and to acknowledge her. Yeah. And I said to my daughter, well, tell her that's how other people feel when she acknowledges. So it's, yeah. it's this slow iterative yes. process of just saying, you know, so if you felt good, yeah. then it feels good for other people. And it's, yeah. you know, don't try and shrink your place in the world. Take take yeah. your place and make it a good place. Yeah, and do it in an organic way as, yeah. a, as a mirror and, and nudge them a bit. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have a whole list because as we are finding out, there are many, many ways of offending people as well. <laughs> As showing and many people are very offendable. Like, yes, offendable. <laughs> but that's no, that's the other one. That's the other one. Because you know, my father was really easily offended, yeah. and it was just. Uh, and sometimes you can't. It's not even consistent. No. You know, like you can do one thing, and then they yeah. find that really offensive, yeah. and then whatever. Yeah, my my grandparents and my parents think that they find it really offensive if someone's wearing a hat inside. 
Yes. Well, of course that, yeah, that was an old fashioned thing. And my kids you like, have to doff what? your cap. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, make, it makes sense. There's a history behind it, but mm. you know, okay. Uh, there are things that, you know, we don't have to keep doing. But again, that's about saying to them, okay, so the reason they're like that, like coming back to the, what should we tell our girls to wear? Yes. When you're coming into the older generation, yeah. Yeah. it's a mark of manners and respect yeah. to say, okay, I get that you're yeah. going to find this uncomfortable. Yeah. So just because it's your space, I'm just going to come into it with your yeah. sensibilities. Yes. And that is manners yeah absolutely That's absolutely right my granny used to say that her granny would put if she had elbows on the table and I was always like why why, why is that rude to put elbows on the table I don't get it um and she'd, she'd say well, she would never she, I never got an actual answer to I that. can tell you the answer oh okay but she'd say my granny used to put a, she'd get if I had my elbow on the table she'd bring me a saucer and put it in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'd always say no uncooked joints on the table but you know, I read, now again, this might just be nonsense, but I read that it used to be the tables would be on kind of trestles or these, these okay. tables that weren't even. Yes. And anybody who put their elbows on the table would put too much weight on that end oh, of the table okay. and it would dislodge the oh, table, that makes sense. destabilize it. Yeah. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. I don't know. I um, mean, in my table at home, you might put your elbow in something you don't want to. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> You've got sources at the wedding. Yep. <laughs> we don't have sources. <laughs> Basically, things to look out for is language. So how are you using your language in a setting? You know, what's what's the way to speak to people and switch? So, okay, I know you talk to your mates like that, yes. but you're not going to use that language in this setting. Yes. Just be aware of it. Yeah, that's really good. Being friendly and respectful, you know, um, dressing appropriately. Again, just be knowing that when you go into another setting, it might just be a different dress code yeah. so just being aware yeah and you know, giving, again giving to. them the choice they if they have the yes. information they can then choose precisely timekeeping mm. Ooh. you know again in venice i think it was in venezuela if you turn up on time to a dinner party they think you're really greedy because oh, you've wow. got there early to make sure you got as much food as possible <laughs> I don't, again, anyone in Venezuela, please let me write. No, this is wrong. But that's, that's a funny spin on it, isn't it? Because my mother-in-law, if I ever, if we turn up, you know, anyone who's late, she's tapping her watch like, oh God, they're really late. They're really, yeah, this is so rude. Very cultural. I've learned if I'm doing dinner, I basically always make sure it's something that is not time sensitive yeah. because because why put myself through that yeah. hell? Yeah. And then I'm always happy. Yeah. Just coming back to the fact that we're talking about teenagers here, there are teen specific things because what's happened is the teens are now going out into the world. Mm. and do, So this is when we're starting to, there'll be home manners and then there are kind of, okay, you're going to other people's houses. So I sat my girls down when they'd get invited to another person's house and I still say it and they go, oh, mom, we know. But I just say, you know, please and thank you. Always get up, clear the table, you know, stack the dishwasher offer to wash up you know you be the per don't be the person who goes and stays at that house mm. and when you leave they go thank god they've gone <laughs> right be the person where they say oh your friend is amazing so you don't want yeah. to be too obsequious you don't want to just make your friend feel bad the kids who do offer to help or they they do even if it's just like a hello and, and my kids friends are lovely you do think oh that's that yeah, I really appreciate it. I do really appreciate it. It's because it. we feel seen. So this yeah. is at the root of all of it is, am I making these people feel seen? Mm. When I walk into a room, am I just ignoring people? Yeah. Am I treating their... Pro so you're in somebody else's house. Am I treating their house like I own it and yeah. it doesn't matter? Yeah. You know, it's just that's those... Yeah. I think that's the thing to get yeah. into their head. Um, and the, the key one with the sort of 14, 18-year-old, they've got their phones or whatever, is, you know, don't 
don't get your don't answer your phone in front of people when you're talking to them don't sit at the table yeah. pulling your phone out all those sorts of things that they get into bad yeah. habits about at home sometimes yeah and making then, them context aware because i'm sure because they'll have um, their own friendship culture won't they and friendship etiquette and maybe in that particular group it's completely fine and normal and they all do it but having an awareness that's that's maybe not the same everywhere the, the key one is don't humiliate your teenager about because it just you know just don't <laughs> if they do know if they do it and they know they're not supposed to do it don't don't berate them in public or whatever oh, just God. wait till you get yeah. back and actually inspect why it matters to you because a lot of us trot out these things that our yes. parents told us were the important things that's a really good point. and then when we inspect them you just go actually it's really that why do, do i care why? that much yeah. about it yeah no. Yeah, we don't really have that many in in our house. That probably doesn't surprise you. <laughs> but they're ones that I've you know thought yeah. about that. That's really important. Yes. So then they then they're really important, and yes. the rest they can you know come and go. So here's what I'm going to do. My daughter is turning 16 soon, and I have bought her a um, her own letter writing note card writing set so that it's easier for her to say thank you to people because it's a very I think your 16 is a very special mm. thing to have your own headed paper. Wow. No card uh, as part of her 16th birthday present. And I'm also going to try and write out what I think are good manners mm-hmm. and actually get her input, get my do- other daughter's input. That's actually, because really I thought I've never thought about this no. and I've never sat down and tried to work it out. Mm. And it would be fun for all of us mm. as a kind of mark in the sand and say, right, you're, you're about to turn 16. What you have enough life experience yeah. now. What do you think? What, what makes you feel good? Mm. What manners matter? How interesting. I'd love to see what you come up with. Well, I will, yeah. I will do this and I will put yeah. it on in the blog yeah. on our website. Not tomorrow. It'll take a while. <laughs> I thinking if I gave my, my eldest uh, that for his 16th, I, I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> he would have thought that was a great present. It's not going to be a pre- No, it's not a present. It's something we're going to do as a family. I think it's lovely. <laughs> Here you are, darling. I've got you some notelets to say thank you to people. And then I got you... <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> and now you can thank me with the notelets. Anyway, uh, yeah, love you. Maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> If you found our podcast useful, we'd love it if you could review us and tell your friends. Our website now has everything in one place, so feel free to rummage around there and message us with any of your questions or tips or topics for us to cover. And you can read our musings. Uh, You can also reach us via that. You can actually leave a voice note. Can you believe it? I haven't heard any. Somebody, somebody go on, go on our website and leave us a voice message. Oh, yeah, that would, would be so cool. That. I would love that. <laughs> so in our next episode, we'll look at teenagers' identity. Are they a smart one? Are they the funny one? Do we label our teenagers? And if we do, do we do it subconsciously? And how does being labeled as something impact on their entire self-worth? Very interesting. Yeah, we'll unpick a bit of that. And also hygiene. (laughs) Do your teenagers' pits make you puke? Are they wearing clothes that could stand up on their own? Uh, How do you get your teens to keep clean and... What, what really matters out of these things that's it for now don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode you can also reach Susie by her own website which is Susie a mindful lifecouk where you can book a free 15 minute call to hear more you can talk to her in real life for free <laughs> you don't, don't have to just listen one. to this okay <laughs> until next time goodbye bye bye for now <laughs>